Welcome to Spectrum Sundays. I am Francesca D'Alessandro, Miss Thousand Islands of New York, serving my community through AAA appreciation and awareness for autism. I'm also a speech language pathologist with a master's degree from the University at Buffalo. And I am Megan Sinisi, Miss Pennsylvania 2021 and the founder of a nonprofit organization for autism titled From a New Perspective. I am also a speech language pathologist with a master's degree from the University of Missouri. Everyone deserves to feel accepted and included in every space that they walk in. Our series aims to inspire you to advocate for yourself and on behalf of your loved ones. And we are so grateful that you're here with us today. Allison Peterman is a senior at the Pennsylvania State University studying X-ray technology. She was diagnosed with autism at the age of 19 in 2021. Since her diagnosis, she's been working through social media to break stereotypes about autism and educate parents and advocates. In the future, she aspires to become a pediatric X-ray technologist at a, at a children's hospital while traveling to speak about autism and its misconceptions while advocating for the community. So Allison, thank you again for being with us today. We really enjoyed our conversation previously and we're so excited to get to know you a little bit more. So we wanted to get started by asking what helped you decide to pursue a career in, as an x-ray technician? Um, so what's funny is I actually wanted to go to for psychology at first at Penn State Altoona, but I changed because I knew I would have struggled a lot more in psychology because of mostly because of all the math classes I would have to take. Um, I have a learning disability in math, so that probably wouldn't have went together too well. Um, it's hard for me to focus in school as well. So a two-year program was easier for me than a four-year program. Um, at least, you know, I could take a break in between if I would want to go get my bachelor's degree. Um, plus I'll have a career as soon as I'm done with x-ray. Um, I've also always wanted to work with kids in some way, so I have the opportunity to do that um, now, especially that I go through um, PEDS rotations and I have the opportunity to work in a children's hospital as soon as I'm done. And we were just talking off camera about how difficult and rigorous the program is. So we will be cheering you on as you go through your studies and afterwards as you enter the field because uh, Megan and I, we are speech language pathologists and we do have overlap with uh, the more medical side, which would include your field and sometimes our professions work together. So um, hopefully we'll meet again in the future somehow, some way. But you mentioned about school and some of the challenges that you faced while in school. And we know that accommodations can be a really important and crucial first step in creating that success, whether it be social, academic, or personal. Um, and also accommodations look different for everyone. And the same type of accommodation might not work for another person, such as time extensions or whatever that might be. So if you feel comfortable sharing, what are types of accommodations or adjustments that helped you the most succeed? Um, well, first I would like to say that I appreciate that you said that um, not every accommodation works for everyone, like time adjustments. Um, the biggest accommodation that I always got in high school before I was diagnosed was extra time on tests. And I, I remember saying to my mom, um, staring at it for an extra 30 minutes won't help me know the information any better. <laughs> um, but what's kind of unfortunate uh, is I actually don't have any accommodations in college yet. Um, 
I just have time extension because my diagnosis is so new that we haven't gone through disability yet to actually give me accommodations. Um, but I appreciate that you said that different accommodations work for everyone. And I think that if I did have accommodations, the biggest one that would really help me is time extensions on homework. So instead of having to do it in one night, I could do it in two or three. Um, and that one kind of has its ups and downs. Um, I have memory problems, so remembering to do it might be an issue, but I have executive function problems, which I'll explain more in a little while. Um, so it gives me a little bit more time to be motivated enough to actually get it done in the most positive way possible. <laughs> and I appreciate your candidness about this too, because it, it, like you said, it is a process and it takes time to receive those accommodations in a more concrete and legal fashion. And um, so I appreciate your openness about that because maybe some people might not realize that there is a process you might have to take to receive those accommodations. Right. Yeah. And that pretty much brings forward a conversation that we've had with a few different self-advocates is that the college atmosphere and academic atmosphere isn't made for people on the neurodiversity spectrum. So that is something that advocates can really look into to make those accommodations sooner. And especially with recently diagnosed people, um, they're developed in their life, they're in their 20s, and it shouldn't take extra time to get them the resources that they need when they've already struggled for 20 years of a, their life to find an answer for why things are challenging for them. So I think there's definitely a better way for us to move forward and get those resources and accommodations quicker, but it kind of opens up a playing field for us to figure out what it is that we need to do as advocates to fill that gap. Um, so that kind of gets our gears turning about what we can advocate for and the kinds of things that we can push for, especially on college campuses. Unfortunately, we've heard some from some people where college was not the best experience for them because it was just really hard. And whether that's socially or academically, it doesn't have to be that way. So that gets, definitely gives us some ideas of things to advocate for. Um, but we wanted to talk a little bit about your life outside of school and work too. So what are some ways that you like to spend your free time? Do you have any hobbies or things that you're interested in that you enjoy doing? Um, because school takes up so much of my time, um, I don't really have much time for my hobbies anymore. Um, but before I started college, I appreciate, I really, I really, um, I like to do, I like to craft. Um, I have a Cricut cutting machine that I like to do vinyl projects and stickers and things like that. Um, I actually have a little vinyl bee on my laptop that I play with sometimes. Um, I, uh, I liked photography. Um, I, I was into photography since like 2016. Um, but now that I've started, I kind of, I, I mostly just, I like movies. I like music. Um, music is, if I had to like, you know, look over myself and think, what is my special interest as an autistic person? It's music, specifically 21 Pilots, my favorite band. I have loved them since I was in middle school. They have helped me through so much. Um, my current hyperfixations change monthly. 
So I go through being interested in one thing to being interested in another thing, and then I completely lose, it, lose interest in that first interest. So having actual concrete hobbies is really hard for me. Um, my current hyperfixation is uh, in anime, um, Naruto Shippuden specifically, but um, I, I'm interested in all animes right now. Um, I really hope that one doesn't change. I kind of <laughs> hope they all don't change because when I'm in it, I love it so much, but they kind of, they just change and I have to go with the flow. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's a perspective that I actually haven't really heard before, um, that it changes over time, but that's so interesting. And, and to hear you say, I hope it doesn't change. That's, that's just so fascinating to me. Um, but it seems like whenever it does change, you find something that you really, really enjoy as well. So maybe does it come back and cycle back through where over time it comes back to you and you're interested in it again? Or is it like once it's gone, it's gone? <laughs> Sometimes it depends on what it is. So um, I'll take a break from certain music, for example, and then come back to it months later and stim with it all over again. Um, like I mentioned in the previous episode that I use, um, I listen to the same songs over and over again to auditory stim. Um, sometimes I'll do that, get tired of it, and a couple months later come back to it and love that song again. Um, uh, with photography, it was like that too for a while that I loved it for a while, hated it for a while, came back to it, and now it just kind of comes in flickers, um, if that makes sense. So kind of like bursts of motivation and inspiration, and then I lose it after maybe a day and a half. Well, it's really interesting to hear your special interests because I, I'm also very much of a musician. I love music. So when you mentioned before that you love singing, I can totally relate to that. Um, and even though I'm not on the autistic spectrum, I do understand how it can have like a very soothing feeling. I'm one of those people who hums while they just do work or sings in the car as they drive somewhere. So, um, I think it's just a really great form of expression for anyone. And it's really, uh, I'm really glad to hear other people who really find enjoyment out of that as well. And as we're getting to know you more, um, we love just sharing the personal experiences of everyone on our series. So if you could travel back in time to give a piece of advice to your younger self, what would you say to encourage her or to give her some sense of confidence? Um, the first thing that I would say is that it does get better um, and that there was never anything wrong with me. Um, for a long time, I believed that because I was different, there was something wrong. Um, it took a long time to not only break that delusion, but to also understand what I had. Um, because autism makes up a huge part of my personality and I didn't know about it for so long, that part of me was suppressed and hidden away. So I'm now learning to unmask and figure out who I truly am. And I think that's also, like I mentioned in the last episode, how I was independent. Um, that's another reason why I'm so happy that I am because now I can take this journey of self-discovery and it's a little easier, I think, than it would have been if I wasn't autistic because I would have never had that sense of independence, that sense of wanting to know more about myself because I, I wouldn't have been autistic, if that makes sense. Yes. And I think all of us as advocates, we really want to get to that point in time where masking isn't, it's, there's not so much of a pressure for people to mask. 
And I think one, an earlier diagnosis and an understanding of oneself and that self-discovery kind of plays into being able to do that a little bit sooner. But also we need to change the mindset of people around us too, so that people don't feel like they have to suppress their autism traits and, and be more typical, whatever that means. Yeah. So I think that that's really important for us to keep in mind. Um, but talking about autism traits, there are many autism traits that aren't so commonly known with autism. Uh, like we said in the last episode, a lot of research focuses on young white boys. And obviously not everyone is a young white boy. So autism can look very different in all different people. So could you share with us a little bit about some of the not so commonly discussed autism traits and maybe some that people should be aware of? Um, the first thing is that I don't know if you guys knew this, but um, autistic people are, I can't remember the exact statistic, but I think it's like 20% more likely to have gastrointestinal problems than neurotypical people. And even if that statistic's not exactly right, forgive me, um, but we are more likely to have gastrointestinal issues than neurotypical people. Um, I have gastrointestinal issues, not afraid to talk about it, I do. Um, haven't gotten anything diagnosed yet because I am so hard to figure out, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, it's looking like IBS right now, but that's something that's not necessarily known. Um, and talking to my other autistic friend about it, um, she told me that and I was like, wow, that's, that's insane. <laughs> because I was talking to her about some of her issues as well. Um, and speaking of things, physical things, um, interoception. Interoception um, is something that autistic people can have problems with. Interoception is the brain recognizing your body's signals. So being thirsty, being hungry, needing to go to the bathroom are a few examples. And that's why a lot of autistic kids um, with higher support needs are in diapers for longer. Um, for me personally, I have a hard time knowing when I'm thirsty. So I'm always, always dehydrated, no matter what. So I have to carry a water bottle around with me to remind myself to drink water or else I won't know until I am dying of thirst because I don't get the signal fast now. Um, another one, um, executive function um, is mental skills like memory, self-control and flexible thinking. I have problems with all three. I have problems with short and long-term memory. Um, Self-control. So like I had mentioned earlier, um, when we were talking about accommodations, um, motivation is something that autistic people can struggle with um, because it goes along with executive function. Um, and it's not just motivation like, oh, I have to do this load of laundry. It's, I can't even, grab my phone charger that's sitting right over there. It's kind of, it's one of those ones that's more, it's a little bit more difficult to figure out if that makes sense. But these people that have problems with executive function aren't lazy. It's, it's a, it's, I don't know how else to say it except a lack of motivation, but that truly just sounds like, you know, if you wanted to, you would, but it's really, it's not the case. It's a chemical imbalance. Um, and flexible thinking as well. So um, thinking critically, um, 
that's a lot of why I struggle with math. Um, and this is also an ADHD trait. Autism and ADHD go hand in hand and they share a lot of the same symptoms. So that's another thing that autism goes hand in hand with ADHD and autism goes hand in hand with a lot of other mental illnesses. So it's likely that if you're diagnosed with autism, you're going to be diagnosed with something else too. Right now I'm racking up four diagnoses, but (laughs) we're looking at more. (laughs) I was just going to say, I'm glad that you clarified uh, with examples, what some of those terms can mean, because if someone's hearing these buzz terms like executive function, and they don't have the kind of educational background that we all do, um, they might not understand how that applies to their everyday life. And specifically when you're talking about motivation, it reminds me of uh, depression symptoms. Right. So um, that's another reason why some of these uh, disorders can be delayed in their diagnosis, because it can be really hard to separate one from the other, and maybe even in some cases impossible. But like you said, a lot of these diagnoses are comorbid with one another. So um, just kind of finding what works for you and just working on that over time can be sometimes more helpful than actually labeling it for that short amount of time while you're uh, still in that diagnosis process. But um, yeah, thank you so much for explaining all of that. And if there's one misconception or stereotype, I know there are so many out there, (laughs) but if there was something that you would really like our viewers to know about and to clarify, uh, what do you think that would be? Um, This one should be obvious, but I found through doing work on social media that it's not. Um, Not every autistic person is the same. Um, So um, my nephew, for example, uh, he is also autistic. Um, He has higher support needs than I do. So he struggles more with um, interception and he struggles more socially than I do. that doesn't make me any less autistic than him. Um, Because we, you know, autism is a spectrum and we all know that. If you know anything about autism, I'm pretty sure you know that. But the spectrum is not linear. And that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. It's, think of it as like a pie chart, but with 13 or 14 different slices with, sensory needs and social needs and anxiety and you know the list goes on um and it's more of a spectrum that way that you have more needs in this area than you do in this area and it's it's different for literally every single autistic person not every person is the same um but that doesn't make that person any more or less autistic than me and that doesn't make me any more or less autistic than that person Absolutely. I love that you shared that visual and it's kind of like a color wheel with about 15 different arrows pointing in all different directions. (laughs) Um, But that's so important because for decades we've been taught that it's more to less autistic and that's how the common everyday person that doesn't experience autism in their home still sees it. So the more that we can share that perspective, the better so that people can understand that it's not about being high functioning or low functioning. It's about needs a little support here, maybe doesn't need so much support here. And it also is important to remind people that these are things that a lot of people might struggle with themselves. So there's something to relate to in the different challenges that people with autism have. 
And we can all relate in one way or another about areas in our life that we are weaker in or need more support. So it's very important to clarify that and to give that visual. And I also, it reminds me of the kaleidoscope that Fran referenced before too. Yeah. When you look at a kaleidoscope, it one never looks the same. And as you turn it, it changes. So um, I think that's a great misconception that we can continuously try to break down and change for people that don't often experience autism for themselves. So now that we've dove, we've gone very deep into your experiences with autism and some of the challenges and some of the highlights, we want to learn a little bit about you and a little bit about what makes you tick. So we just started this fun rapid fire round where we just ask fun questions to get to know you a little bit and you can answer them in a few words or less, um, but let's get started. So we wanted to know what your favorite snack is. Um, whales, the whales crackers. Those they're, little golden ones? Yes, they are so much better than goldfish and no one can tell me otherwise. Completely <laughs> <laughs> agree with that. Okay, um, how about a feel good song? Um, it changes every, almost every day, but right now it's a uh, uh, Steal My Girl by One Direction. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one what's an item that you can't live without um hmm my phone charger <laughs> I would die yeah. with my phone alone so the charger is a basic necessity. <laughs> uh how about a current show you are obsessed with um Naruto Shippuden <laughs> What is your favorite place in Pennsylvania to visit? Oh, geez. Um, that's, that's a hard one. Um, probably Pittsburgh. I haven't been to Pittsburgh in a while, but I, I love it every time I go. Do you say yins? I say y'all. You do say y'all. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm here having no idea what you're talking about as a New Yorker. <laughs> So Yins is like the y'all, but for Pittsburgh. So a lot of people from Pittsburgh say, are Yins going to the game instead of are y'all going to the game? And that then hilarious. a lot of times when people are from Pittsburgh, they're called Yinsers. <laughs> <laughs> I had to actually explain that. My one friend is from Rochester, New York. Um, my friend that I uh, met in college and I had to explain that to her too. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Yeah, if I were to hear that and ever like just on the street, I would have no idea what they were saying. But okay, thank you. Um, okay, lastly, a person you would like to give a shout out to today. Um, I'll give a shout out to my boyfriend. Hey Jared, what's up? You're probably not listening to this, but we'll send him the links. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we enjoyed um our conversations and we're really glad that you were able to share so much with us today. And we Wish you nothing but the best going forward in all of your endeavors. So thank you again for visiting with us on Spectrum Sundays, Allie. If you enjoyed this episode and would love to learn more about her projects or just more about her in general, you can find her on Instagram at Allie Peterman, which is A-L-L-Y. Thank you, everyone, and we will see you next Sunday. Thank you for listening to Spectrum Sundays. We are your hosts, Francesca D'Alessandro, Miss Thousand Islands. And Miss Pennsylvania, Megan Sinisi. Please make sure to subscribe to our series and follow us on social media to stay connected to autism professionals and self-advocates. And remember, true impact is accomplished through active listening and exploring the world through a variety of perspectives. 
Join us next week on Spectrum Sundays to help cultivate a community of inclusion, appreciation, and acceptance around autism.